this month we're going to be talking about obedience. Obey! Um, and suffering and obedience tend to go hand in hand with each other, right? Um, not, all, not all obedience necessarily has to involve suffering, but most suffering, especially volunteer, voluntary suffering, when you're having to deal with family, for instance, when you're having to deal with kids, um, there's, there's a level of obedience that is required. And uh, the, here's the thing that us charismaniacs don't like to talk about, right, is that obedience and God's righteousness go hand in hand. Okay? Because we've been, we've been told something from the day that we got saved in, in the charismatic church. And it's not exactly, there's a little bit of truth to it, but it's not actually 100%. We've been told that God's love is unconditional. And that is not true. It is conditional. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to give you a clue. It's conditional on one thing. Obedience. Okay, I'm going to give you the punchline of the sermon. And I'm going to build that case. So, you may have figured out, if uh, you've been around long enough, okay, I won't say if you're old, I'll just say if you've been around long enough, that there are two things that you either are aware of consciously or unconsciously. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but maybe somewhere along in your life you've thought, yes, if, I, if I could go back in time and tell my youngest self, make this decision, do this, right? Have you ever thought something along that line? The, the reality is that where you stand now, all the decisions that you made to get where you are now was made by a younger, less experienced, less knowledgeable version of yourself. Okay? It's like you go to a 15-year-old. You've got, you know, I've, I'm married. I've got four kids. And I go to a 15-year-old and I say, okay, I would like you to plot out my life for the next couple of years. Sounds crazy, right? I would like you to make financial decisions, job decisions for me and my family for the next 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, right? I'm prophesying over myself. Uh, and it sounds crazy, but in a sense, that's exactly what's happened with you. You've, you've put your hands in a version of yourself uh, and that person makes decisions and the person and future Luke, the future version of yourself has to deal with the consequences, right? Does that sound familiar? A little bit frustrating. And the second thing, the second truth that comes with that, you can go to the next slide, Eddie, is that no matter how long you live, if you, if you were to think about all the information that you could, that is possible to learn, Right? You think about, take any subject. You know, think law, medicine, geography, geology, philosophy, religion. And you think about all that information, and you think about how many years it will take to learn that information. The chances of you learning even a percentile of that information is nil. But in your given lifespan, however many years that is, you have to make a decision, a very, very important decision, with the limited inv 
vastly limited information that you have with regards to your eternal destiny. Right? You need to make up your mind. And not only that, but the version of yourself that makes most of the decisions to get to where you are has less information than what you have now. But somewhere in this, you've got to make a decision about where you're going to end up eternally. And whether you like it or not, and as much as the atheists would like to scream otherwise, there's no ways that you can actually make an informed decision because it's impossible to learn all the information that you need to know. Okay? So that leaves us with a bit of a conundrum. How do we hope to make a decision with regards to our eternal destiny? And there's one surefire way that God has made sure that you'll make the decision right. Okay? And it's one word. Obey. You don't need to understand. You just need to do what I tell you to do. Okay? And if you do what I tell you to do, trust me, I've been around the block. Okay? Because this, this is the thing, is that if you want to know how to get to the top of the mountain, there's a lot of analogies like this. Okay? You can think of your life like a mountain, and you need to get to the top You'll get with God, okay? And now there's all these different paths that are going up the mountain, but you don't know which path gets to the top, okay? And how do you possibly make that decision? And you've got one shot. Pick the wrong path and you're dead. How can you possibly make that decision? The difference with Christianity that sets it apart from every other religion is that God came down the mountain to us in the form of Jesus, and said, this is the way. Right? You don't have to figure it out yourself. Just do what I tell you to do. Follow me, and I'll take you to the top. Right? In other words, when we think about obedience, we have this very negative connotation that's built into our culture, not necessarily with you, but built into our culture. Obedience, bad. Okay? You've got to be free. You've got to do what you want. Follow your heart. Okay? Do you know what scripture says? Your heart is full of wickedness. <laughs> it's not a good thing to follow. Right? Follow Jesus. That's the answer. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Okay? In other words, for in scripture, when, when we need, read the word obey, we need to change the way we think and think, oh, uh, when I see the word obey, follow my commandments, do what I say, it should fill us with a sense of peace. I don't need to know all the information. I don't have to have all the answers. All I've got to do is follow. And that, that should sense, fill you with a sense of peace. All the, all the it's, the, the what ifs, the buts, the, the questions are just filtered down to a very simple truth. You keep your eyes on Jesus, you win. And you take, it, take them off him and you lose. That's about as simple as it gets. Right? And it's very, very comforting. To me, I find that very comforting. Okay. But, before I get ahead of myself, I just want to 
reference a few things because when we're talking about obedience, sometimes we read scriptures like, you can go to the next slide, John 14 verse 15. It says this, if you love me, keep my commands. Okay? Wow. Shucks. I mean, here's, here's the truth, okay? If I had to do marriage counseling with a married couple and the husband, you know, the wife was telling me, he only loves me when I do what he says. Okay, I would think, oh, there's something a bit wrong, right? But there's some truth in it as well. But, but once again, Jesus says very directly, and this is sometimes very difficult for us to understand, if you love me, you'll do what I say, Right? That's conditional love. That's not saying that love is unconditional. Okay? The love that you have for me is conditioned on the fact that you obey me. Think about that for a second. Okay? The next one as well. You are my friends if you do what I command. Okay? Our relationship is sharp if you do what I say. My friendship with you is conditional on the fact that you do what I say. Luke 11 verse 28, blessed rather those who hear the word of God and keep it. The interesting thing about this verse is he was preaching a sermon and somebody randomly in the crowd in 11.27 says, blessed is the mother who bore you. Right? And Jesus says, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In other words, for God, for God, obeying him is more important than being a blood relative. Think about that for a second. Okay? Yes, my mother Mary, and he's saying this about his very own mother. Yes, my mother is blessed, but even more blessed. More important than this blood relationship that we have is if you hear what I'm saying and you do it. Right? This goes beyond just a family. This goes beyond just your wife, your kids. Okay? You, do you understand what I'm getting at? So this is very important. And even now, maybe you're wrestling, but I, I want you to take you back to that first point I made that there is safety and there is peace in obedience. I don't have to figure it out myself. I don't have to wonder how to get to the top. All I've got to do is follow Jesus. That's it. He's been around for ages. Not only has he been around for ages, he's been around for eternity. Okay. Think about John chapter 1. In the beginning was, was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Okay. Jesus is not somebody who's just been around for the last 30, 40 years. He's been around forever. If there's anybody who's going to know how life works, it's probably Jesus. And so I want to hang out with him. Does that make sense? And so when I'm thinking of the word obedience, what I've got to do is I've got to think of peace and security, not conflict. Not mismanaged. But why do you think we have a negative connotation with obedience? 
What do you think? Mostly because where we are taught obedience from our parents, our parents are imperfect people. Ever, ever figured that out? Your parents aren't perfect? Right? Ever figured out that you as a parent aren't perfect? Never. Okay. <laughs> right? And, and this is one of the most difficult things for us to learn when we, when we look at obedience is that we, we become more and more aware as we get older and older that our parents are not perfect. And so when we learn obedience from them, our connotation with obedience often has to do with the perfection of our parents. Right? But now think about this for a second. God, who is perfect, expects perfect obedience. Right? But once again, maybe your parents didn't know everything, but we do know that God does. And that's why there's so much peace and security in the word obedience. Okay, but let's read some scripture. You can open up to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Did I get that wrong? Sorry? Did I say John? Oh, sorry, John. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa. That's why we write things down. So, John chapter 14, this is, this is the chapter that I quoted uh, from, that verse comes from here. Um, and we're just going to look at a little bit of the context when it's talking about obedience. You love me, keep my commands in John 14 and 15. And then we're going to quickly look at the other chapter, the next chapter, John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my, you are my friends, do what I command you. So we're just going to look at the context in which those two verses come because it's very important that when we read these verses, we, we place them in their right place, okay? But just, just for context, in the chapter just before this, John chapter 13, this is that famous um, scripture, passage of scripture in John chapter 13 where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. You guys remember that one? Right? Um, gets on his knees, washes his disciples' feet. There's that really cool moment where Peter freaks out and goes, hey, you shouldn't be washing my feet. And then Jesus says to him, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have a part in me. Right? And, and then Jesus goes on to explain that, hey, my mission here is to serve. And me serving you makes me a servant. And if I'm a servant, that I can't be greater than God. Right? And at the end of John chapter 13, Jesus declares that he's, he's handing out a new commandment. You guys know what it is? He says, hey, I, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as, as I have loved you. Okay? So up until then, it's love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus comes and adds on a third one. Love others as I have loved you. Okay, and in the context of that chapter, we see Jesus getting on his knees to serve his fellow man. Does that make sense? And now we go into John chapter 14. So let's quickly read this together. I'm going to read from verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house 
are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Okay? Now, this is, a, this is, this is an obvious point, but it's a very important point to make. Okay? May, and perhaps even not so obvious, that God wants you with him. He has prepared a place for you, and he wants you to be with him. Because remember now, we're going to go start talking about obedience, right? And sometimes we don't like that word obedience, but it's very important, and Jesus is very deliberate by starting off with, hey, I'm going to talk about something that's very difficult, but I want you to know that the end goal is that you're with me, that I come and take you and you come and dwell with me. That is my intention. My intention is that you get to the top of the mountain. Not only do I want you with me, but I want you to succeed. I want you to make it. I want you to run the race with endurance. I want you to cross the finish line. I want you with me. That is my intention. And so when, I, when he starts to talk about obedience, it's in context with the fact that I want you with me. My intentions are for you. My intentions is that you make it. I'm not asking you to be obedient for some sinister reasons, for some malicious reasons. The end goal of obedience is that we are with God. Isn't that awesome? That's like, whew, fantastic. His heart is for me. This is the same thing that he reiterates, Paul reiterates in 2 Corinthians 5, where Jesus comes that we may be reconciled to God. Right, you remember that one? Okay, so let's, let's read on quickly. So it's very important as we start to talk obedience, the end goal is that you are with God. Okay? Um, verse 3, uh, sorry, verse 4, and, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, how do you get to the top of the mountain? Through me. And not only through me, but only through me. Exclusively through me. You will not be able to figure this out on yourself. This This is all of history up until Jesus. Right? Man trying to figure out how to get to God through either different religions or through the law, even given by God. Even through the law given by God, you cannot get to God. Only through Jesus. He is the way. Okay? This is good news. So verse 6, Jesus, not only does he give the end intention, but he gives, he makes it very clear that he is the way. He is this path up the mountain. I'm just going to skip ahead quickly to verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified of the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, here's the verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
Okay, so let's just stop here. Okay? Not only is love conditional, but the spirit of God in which we operate is also conditional on obedience. Remember, the spirit of God is here to help you, but to help you do what? The will of the Father. Okay? So if you have ulterior motives, selfish motives for yourself, don't expect that the Spirit of God is going to help you to get it. The Spirit of God is fully in line with Jesus, who is fully in line with the will of God. Remember, remember what Jesus said throughout his whole ministry. I do what I see my Father doing in heaven. Not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. And don't think that the Holy Spirit came to contradict this mission. Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. If you do what I say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will give you the Spirit for what purpose? To help you obey my commandments. Does that make sense? The Spirit of God is freely available to those who fully intend to... to Keep God's commandments. Okay? Let's move on. Okay, let's go to the next chapter. John chapter 15. So now... So now, we've just spoken about the fact that that first off, very, very important, the end goal of obeying God and the intention for which God has you obeying him is first off that his will is done, but secondly, good news for us, that we get to live with God forever, for eternity. Through Jesus, we follow Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life we get to live with God. And it is conditional on you following his commandments. Does that make sense? Okay. We're all on the same page here. Okay. So let's read from verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Because of the word that I've spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Okay, so here, once again, reiterating that exclusivity of Jesus. If you are in Jesus, if you are in Jesus, shop. If you're not in Jesus, you get cut off. And all those dead branches, what happens to those dead branches? They get burnt up. <laughs> okay. So it's in my best interest to abide in Jesus, right? And in verse 3, once again, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Okay, you are not clean because of the things that you do, right? You are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So now... You might be thinking, well, isn't this a little bit contradictory? Are we not maybe talking about a works-based faith? 
Now I've got to do stuff, and then Jesus loves me. Okay, but let's keep reading on. I'm going to skip ahead quickly to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so improve, and so prove to my disciples. Once again, he's restating what he said in the previous chapter. It's my intention that you go to heaven. It's my intention that you bear fruit. I want you to succeed. And I'm trying my very best to set you up for success. Okay? It's very important to keep that in the back of your mind. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I've loved you. So it's very important, first off, as it's saying in verse 10. I, want, I just want to read this verse quickly again. And I need you to catch this. This is a very subtle point, but it's a very important point. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay? Often when we think of obedience... We think, okay, I'm saved, Jesus loves me, Alice is good, um, but there's kind of this like, I, I, I want to love Jesus, I love him with all my heart, and there's kind of this thing that I've got to do on the side, I've got, I've got to obey, right? I don't really want to, but, uh, you know, okay, it's fine, you know, okay, fine, yes, I'll talk to that person at the checkers, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Don't really want to, but you know, out out of the goodness of my heart, out of my sacrifice, I'll be obedient. You know, ah, treasures in heaven. You know, right? But it's very important because when we start to think like that, we we fall into a workspace mentality. Okay, if I do these things, if I do these things, then I'm obedient. All right. And this is a very subtle point, but I just want you to read this. We do not earn abiding in Jesus by obeying him. We abide in him by obeying him. In other words, obedience is not the byproduct of us loving God. Obedience is the way in which we love God. Right? I do, I do not, lo- I do not, I'm not obedient to Jesus because I love him. I show my love for him by being obedient to him. In other words, you cannot separate the love for God from the obedience to God. There's no ways that you can do it. You, you, cannot, you cannot prescribe to a lawless lifestyle. I do what I want. I have the lifestyle that I want. It's about my job, my career, my family. And I'll quickly go to church on a Sunday so I can just fill up the obedience meter and then carry on with my life. It doesn't work like that. You're either fully surrendered to the purposes of God or you're not. And here's the crazy thing, okay? God's intention, he's, the end goal for you is to be in heaven. 
And obedience is how you do it, is how you get there. So if you don't have an interest in obedience, you don't have an interest in, in heaven. If you don't have an interest in doing it his way, you have an interest in doing it your way. Your way doesn't lead to heaven. <laughs> okay? And what do you know? You think you know better. Do you think that you figured it out? You think you've been around and you know more than Jesus. You're playing a dangerous game. It doesn't end well. Instead, we look to Jesus. But on the other hand, not on the other end, just to continue the thought, it's a very good thing to ask here, well, how am I obedient? What is the command? What are the commandments that God is giving me? This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I want you to look at my life. Jesus speaking, not me. Okay. <laughs> look at the life of Jesus. Whenever you interact with somebody. How do I, how do I love this person? How do I love Kaya? the way that Jesus loved me. Well, he was obedient even to the point of death that I might be reconciled with my father. That's Philippians chapter 2, right? That he made himself a servant. He didn't regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Instead, he humbled himself, made himself a servant and was obedient even to the point of death. Therefore, he has the name that is above every other name. And so when I'm looking at people and how I make my decisions, I'm simply going, Jesus, how have you loved me? How am I obedient to this commandment? It's very fitting that we're talking about friends and family from a worship perspective. Because these, this commandment is probably most tested out when we're dealing with family. Amen. We just love hanging out with our in-laws. But <laughs> the question still remains, right? Father, how do I love this person the way that you've loved me? It's easy to love lovable people. Babies are easy. To, it's when they start growing up that it's a problem, right? <laughs> but even more than, Father, my desire is to be obedient to you. Just, just think about this. What would happen if you love someone to the best of your ability by the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus loved you? Where would that take you? If you were to pray for a nation, how could I love this nation in the way that Jesus has loved me? Well, I'll leave everything that I know. Humble myself. Leave Paul, <laughs> the land of milk and honey. Leave everything. How will I love a family member? I'll leave everything that I know. Everything, I'll let go of everything that I know to be right. If I can just have a moment where I can share Jesus with them. 